Hey, look at that. All right, so um, I just wanted to give you guys the message right from the beginning. I try to think of a title uh, that's going to line up with what we're looking at, with what our main point is. Um, so I put it this way, always praise God through Jesus. Um, as followers of Jesus, we offer spiritual sacrifices to God, and our sacrifices, sacrifices are acceptable and pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. And this means a number of things, so we're going to look, to, look at that uh, this morning. Um, but again, I want to remind you where we are in the book. Uh, the first six chapters or so are dedicated to teaching and proclaiming the greatness of the eternal Son, Jesus Christ. And in, in specifically in chapter 7 through, through midway through 10, even though you'll find it in other places too, we see Christ's work as high priest exalted. Um, and uh, in, in the last few chapters, we see uh, exhortation. We see the proper response of one who trusts in, in God's Son and one who trusts in the, the work of His Son. showing you just this last chapter outline only just to see where we are here in verse 15 and 16 uh, and you know this is one of the responses or really three of the responses of the one who has come to God in faith through Jesus Christ I remind you again the big theological basis of this chapter is the immutability or changelessness of Jesus Christ um, he is the same forever and ever. And because Jesus is the same, and because his word is the same, and because his salvation is the same, those who come to him by the same faith can expect the same results of their lives. Um, the same thing that, the same promises that we hold on to because we follow Jesus, the same things we trust in for all of eternity, um, we, we, we also understand that the response from the world is going to be the same, Right? And so here, um, what I think we're dealing with is we're seeing that the three central responses of the believer are coming out uh, because Jesus Christ never changes. And so when he saves someone, when he changes them, when God gives you a new heart and, and, and reconciles you to himself, there are three things that are going to come out of you. You understand, the, the way he puts this is not... If you want to be saved, do these three things. But rather, if you have been saved, you will desire and grow in doing these th three things. So, uh, let's read, pray, and then we're going to just get right into the text. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you that you have enlightened us uh, through the word of the gospel, that you have saved us through your son, the eternal word. Thank you that you have put your words within us, that you have worked in us in such a way that we would hide your word in our heart um, so that we wouldn't sin against you, but also so that we would grow grow in holiness, grow in knowledge, grow in faith, grow in love, grow in sanctification, and finally one day stand before you free, undefiled by any sin, perfect and holy in your sight because of Jesus Christ, your eternal word. Lord, I ask that you would speak through the word today, speak through me. Um, I, 
Lord, all I want to do is bring honor and glory to you and help your people to be encouraged and grown. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would glorify your son Jesus through the time that we have together today and grow us, make us more like him uh, for your glory and for the uh, reputation of your name in all the earth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we have some, we have a main exhortation. I'm calling it the main exhortation uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, because we don't have time to go into depth into all three, uh, and I'm not going to split this into three messages. So let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Secondly, he says, do not neglect to do two things. Do not neglect to do good. He's very, very general here. Do not neglect to do good and do not neglect to share with others. These are the exhortations of the passage. These are what we're going to deal with as we walk all the way through. But I want to make sure we understand each part of this passage. We have plenty of time to go through phrase by phrase, word by word sometimes in, this, um, in these two verses. Through Jesus. Um, and I think most of you guys understand this. Uh, when we talk about through Jesus, we mean a great many things. Uh, and I, I wanted to look at Jesus specifically as an intermediary today. There's a number of ways in which uh, God has set up the idea of, of intermediaries through the word. He starts this all the way back in Genesis. Um, but Jesus is the ultimate intermediary. He is really the substance of all those pictures of inter- intermediary intermediaries or mediatorship, if that's even a word. Mediation, I guess, is actually the English word, but whatever. Um, I didn't even see a smile from Nathan, so there we go. So, Jesus, he's the ultimate mediator, right? The whole line of kings was really about the perfect kingship of Jesus Christ. All the priests were really about the ultimate priest, Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the spirit of all prophecy, right? All prophecy is revealed through the word. And the word is Jesus, right? So Jesus is the ultimate high priest, the eternal high priest. He's our ultimate prophet. Yes, there were other prophets who gave a word, but we have a more complete word, a full revelation of God to us through Jesus Christ, as he reminded us in the first chapter. Jesus is our king. He's our advocate with the father. He's our family head, our spiritual representative before God. He's our Lord, meaning master, and he's the only mediator between God and mankind. So it is through Jesus. Well, it's not only through Jesus in this office, but also through his work, which is why, we remind, why I try to remind you of this, this big breakdown of, of, of Hebrews at, at the beginning of every message, because we have who Jesus is and what he has done. And that is the fullness in which he says, through Jesus. Um, I would argue there's a third point, um, and you would find that, um, I think, in Ephesians chapter 1, maybe 3 through 15 or so, um, where we see all the ways in which the unity of Christ allows us all these promises of God in, uh, in the Messiah, right? And it's unity with Christ, right? Um, it's not just, okay, Jesus did this generically for the whole human race, but Jesus did this specifically for all the elect. It is through Jesus Christ. It is through unity with him that we have these promises, which is why not everybody who reads the Bible and reads about these promises can say, oh, that's for me. 
because it's not for everybody. It's only those who are united with Jesus Christ by faith. Through Jesus, then, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Um, This phrase, sacrifice of praise, has really been butchered a few times. I remember once as, as a new believer, I was talking to another guy in church, and we were talking about singing. And he said, you know, I never really understood that phrase, sacrifice of praise, until I was having a hard time, and I didn't feel like praising God. And so I had to offer a sacrifice of praise. Like, his meaning was, because it was so hard and I didn't really want to, God is asking me to sacrifice something, and it's praise. I'm sorry, but that's just that's a completely wrong understanding of what he means by this, a sacrifice of praise. Remember that he's talking to Hebrew people. He's talking to people who grew up in the Jewish system. They understood the Jewish system of sacrifice. And so when he says, bring an offering of praise... He's saying, as you're offering, you know, we don't bring blood sacrifices anymore. We don't burn grain. We don't pour out wine. We don't dump out water on the altar. Our sacrifice is praise and doing good and and obedience and sharing with others and all sorts of other things. That's our sacrifice. Okay? So there were like five types of sacrifice in the Old Testament system. You can read about them in Leviticus 1 through 5 if you'd like. Um, So there are some that are mandatory and there are some that are uh, uh, voluntary. Right? Some that you have to make for various reasons. Others that you are allowed and welcome to make. And it's all about the relationship of the believer to God. That's what those sacrifices were about. And then we're all looking forward to Jesus Christ. So once this sacrifice of God, uh, this ultimate lamb of God who's been offered for the sins of all who come in faith, of the whole world, once that sacrifice has been made, there's no other sacrifices in that sense to make. This obligation of sacrifice uh, from the Old Testament is not what's in view here. Right? It's not a mandatory sacrifice he's talking about. But even in the Old Testament sacrifices, um, I was just reading in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 14 and in a couple other places where he talks about sacrifices that you offer with joy and thanksgiving and that you go around and share with those who are around you, with the Levites and the poor and the fatherless, the orphans, right? You, you, you are praising and, and having joy in what God has done for you as you offer these sacrifices. And I think that's the element that he's talking about. Because the word, well, we'll talk about the word praise toward the end, but the idea is that you are joyfully giving recognition to who God is and what he has done. And so here he says, out of this joy of what God has done through Jesus Christ for you, those of you who have faith in Jesus Christ, faith like those Old Testament saints we went over in chapter 11, I want the continual outpouring of your heart to be praise toward God. A joyful recognition, a joyful honoring of God, thanking Him for what He has done, a joyful recognition of all the His all of His greatness. That's what should come out of you, and that's why He says, "This is the fruit of lips that openly profess His name." I would just make a couple of comments here. Fruit, like in uh, Galatians five, 
right? The fruit of the Spirit. This is the result. This is not a list that we accomplish so that we can be qualified, but rather, if we have been called and sanctified by the blood of Christ, the result of that will come out of us and come out of us in the form of praise. He says, the, the lips that openly profess his name. Remember uh, two weeks ago, maybe three, when he's talking about um, going to Jesus outside the camp, openly bearing, being willing to bear shame for the name of Christ. So here he says, openly professed, people who confess it out loud, people who are living for Christ out loud and on purpose. It's one of the, one of the big reasons why I have a problem with secret Christianity or so-called secret Christianity or insider movements or whatever else they're called. This idea that you can move into a place and be a secret Christian and they're going to see the fruit in your life you know, in the form of good deeds and they're going to just somehow, they're going to want to know, well, maybe they will. Maybe they'll want to know. But I mean, I think if you, if you spend enough time around Muslims, you understand that it's really important to put on a good show of good deeds and good things that you would say about God in general when you're in public. You get a whole different story when you openly profess, openly confess the name of Jesus Christ and the gospel. So I would just say to you, uh, and anybody else, who wants to be a secret Christian, praising God for what has happened through Jesus Christ is the natural result, or maybe the supernatural result, you might say, out of what happens in our hearts through Jesus Christ. And the thing that we have in common is that we openly confess the name of Jesus. It was hugely critical to this group of Jewish believers that they be open about their faith in Jesus Christ. Because to not do so was tantamount to refusing to acknowledge him or denying him before others. And in some cases, uh, due to persecution, both from Jews and uh, Roman authorities later on, people would deny Christ in order to save their lives. And I've heard stories of other believers who have denied being followers of Jesus Christ in order to spare themselves some huge problem in the current situation, either from somebody that they're talking to or people who are around them. I've heard of other people in Hamtramck who refuse to the name and name of Jesus, refuse even to play Christian music, because they're afraid they're going to offend somebody. If you're doing that, you are ashamed of Christ. And if you continue on like that, He will be ashamed of you before the Father. Do not be a secret Christian. We must openly profess his name. Don't forget to do good. I love the way he says this. Don't forget to do good or to share with others. Um, I'm going to address these here rather than at the end because I want the focus to be on praise. But just think about this for a second. I gave us some... some uh, passages to look at. I'm not going to go into depth into all of these. I'm going to give you just this. So if you want, you can take a picture, you can make some notes and look at these later. But they all talk about the importance of doing good. And they give various reasons for it and various results from it. And I'm not going to go into all those today just for the sake of time. But if you can take a picture and look these up later and just be thinking through, why do we do good as followers of Jesus? I'm going to give you just a little bit of a brief one from Luke 6. I'm going to turn there. I'm going to read that. But I would, I would advise you to read the rest. Um, so in Luke chapter 6, 
Jesus says this, To you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what, what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as, I would ha- as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And you do good to those who are good to you. What credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those who, from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Notice what he says at the end there. Then, if you do these things, you will be children of the Most High. And when he says children of God, there's a lot of things that that means in the Bible. But this specific instance shows us that to be a child of God means to be an imitator of God, like Ephesians 5.1. It means to be one who sees the greatness of God, the communicable attributes of God in all his perfection, and goes and does them. But as you do good to others, you are showing the goodness of God to the world. And that's the one, the one thing that I wanted to hold on to, even though there's lots of things from this, uh, from this idea of doing good to others. This is one that I wanted to hold on to because it makes the gospel visible and it makes the character of God visible when you do this. Then he says, do not forget to share with others. And again, I have a list. You can take a picture, um, look at them later, of why we would share with others. All sorts of reasons why we would share with others. Uh, Isaiah 58, that's from the passage you'll remember. He's like, why are you guys... Why are you guys uh, uh, fasting? And yet you're mistreating the people who are under you and the poor. You want the the kind of fast I want? I want you to go share the food that you have with other people. Luke chapter 3. That's where um, uh, John the Baptist is preaching repentance. And people are like, so what do we do now? And he says, well, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. If you got two shirts, give to the one who doesn't have anything. And if you have extra food, give to somebody who doesn't have any. Go share what you have with others. That's the fruit of repentance. Acts 2 and uh, Acts 4, we see that the result of those who accepted salvation was that they shared eagerly with everybody who was in need around them. Specifically here, in both these cases, I believe, with other believers. Specifically here with the church. Romans 12. Share with others. Over and over and over and over again, we see in Scripture that to share what you have with others is a very important way that we show who God is. Um, And this is the way I I summed it up. As followers of Jesus, um, as we share with others, we express visibly the fellowship that we have with God and the love he expressed for us. To take what we have, which is in our possession and our right to keep, and to give it to someone else, who is undeserving, who hasn't worked, even who, who hasn't worked for it or earned it, even with somebody who shot themselves in the foot and that's why they don't have anything themselves. To do that is to express what God has done for us and to show the effect that his fellowship, his having fellowship with us through the gospel has had. 
These are both tangible ways that we can express the results of the gospel. But they are by no means a replacement for preaching the gospel. That's why I wanted to focus on the first part. Praising God for all of what Jesus Christ has done. And the reason is simple here that the author of Hebrews gives. He says, with such sacrifices, God is pleased. And that might tend to go unnoticed for a second. But I don't want to let that go unnoticed. It is a remarkable thing that God is pleased with the sacrifices that you and I bring. Remember in in Isaiah when he says, you know, sin has made a separation between you and your God so he doesn't hear you when you call out. He's not listening. It's because of your sin. Remember when he says, uh, in Isaiah, he says, all your righteous deeds are as filthy rags. Don't ever quote that to another believer. I mean, don't ever do that, right? Because, let me tell you something, if you are trusting in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, if you are coming to God through faith in Jesus Christ, and you're offering up sacrifices in order to please Him, He is pleased with you. He's pleased with you. I would say that he's even pleased with imperfect obedience that's in an attempt to obey, not an attempt to do good enough. I think you'll understand my meaning there. God is pleased with our obedience. God is pleased with when we do good to others for his sake. God is pleased when we proclaim the gospel. Even if you walk away thinking, oh, I I should have said this too, right? God is pleased with your sacrifices of praise. because you've come to him in faith through Jesus Christ. You've repented from your sin and admitted that only he can make you clean. But when you come through Jesus and you offer sacrifices, your your sacrifices are good and pleasing. They are not filthy rags. But they are beautiful and lovely and acceptable to God because of Jesus Christ. So let us continually Offer to God a sacrifice of praise through Jesus. What does it mean to be? What does it mean to praise? Right. Um, this is a dictionary definition, but I think you can see the. the you, you'll be able to see what praise is even just from a dictionary definition. To express a favorable judgment or assessment of, to commend. And we commend God when we praise Him, don't we? When we when we say, "Oh, what God is merciful like you? What God is forgiving like you? What God is patient like you?" I think in my case, you know, like I was 30 something years before I became a follower of Jesus. How patient was God with me? You know, and you may think about your own sin and go, oh, I've done this and this and this and this. But how merciful is God to me that he would forgive me? You know, and whatever the case may be, we praise God when we talk about who he is from the word. Whether that's in the form of singing, whether that's in the form of prayer, whether that's in sharing the gospel. And showing how when you share the gospel, adding in your testimony to show that this is something that I have personally put my faith and trust in. This is something that works. This is the only reason that I can do anything good. You're you're congratulating me for doing this good deed or whatever, but I do it because of Jesus and I do it in the power of Jesus and to show how great he is and how great the gospel is. There's all sorts of ways in which we can praise God by commending him to each other and to others and even in private prayer. To glorify him, especially by attribution of perfections. 
And this is one of, the, one of the reasons why it was so important to us to teach through the attributes of God. Because as you understand his greatness, and then as you understand how that greatness affects you as a follower of Jesus, and the crazy awesome promises and blessings that are available to you now, and that are available to you even greater measure in the future, your hearts are encouraged and strengthened. You know him more, love him more, and you praise him more. To express praise. Um, the, I took this paragraph from um, uh, Got Questions. I, I really like it. It's got a, a lot of good uh, practical definitions. And I'll also give you a lot of scripture. If you're looking up a concept or if you have a question about a concept in scripture, really great place, place to go look for information. Um, so he says uh, here, Christians often speak of praising God. And the Bible commands all living creatures to praise God. That's from Psalm 50, uh, 150. Um, he says, one Hebrew word for praise is, I'm not going to read these because I'm not going to pronounce them right. Anyway, he gives three Hebrew words for praise. One means to praise, give thanks, or confess, as in confess his greatness, not confessing sins. Um, uh, another just uh, means to sing praise. And then finally is a verb meaning to praise. Uh, that's the word where you see hallelujah at the beginning or the end of a psalm. It means all of you guys, it's an imperative, all of you all praise Yahweh, right? He sums it up this way. All three terms contain the idea of giving thanks and honor to one who is worthy of praise. And then again, we have some psalms here. Um, now, I'm not going to go through these psalms, only a few. Uh, I highlighted them so I wouldn't forget which ones I wanted to go through. Um, and I'm not going to go through the whole psalm. I'm just going to point to a, a little bit. Psalm uh, 149, I will. Uh, it's very short. So, just one second. Psalm 149. He says, and I'm only going to go through the first couple verses. He says, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of his faithful people. It's an assembly of his faithful people right here. Sing to the Lord a new song. Um, and I love that phrase. We see that phrase in a bunch of different places in the Bible. Sing to the Lord a new song. Um, but you know, you might be curious as to what that means. What does it mean to sing to the Lord a new song? And I picked Psalm 106. Um as a psalm I really wanted to consider, because what hit me about Psalms 106, Psalm 106 is that what the author does is he starts back with um, God's choosing uh, Israel, and he starts with an outlook of their sin. In verse 6 he says, We have sinned even as our ancestors did. We have done wrong and acted wickedly. Now he gives a recounting through the next I don't know, 40 verses of all the different historical ways that Israel sinned against God. Doubting his word, refusing to obey, turning to idolatry, uh, all up through the, the Babylonian um, uh, oppression and how they, were, how they rebelled over and over and over and over again. And then in verse 43, he says this, let me, I'm going to go to verse 40, 40 instead. Therefore the Lord was angry with his people, and he abhorred his inheritance. He gave them into the hands of the nations, and their foes ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them and subjected them to their power. Many times he delivered them, but they were bent on rebellion, and they wasted away in their sin. Yet he took note of their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake he remembered his covenant, and out of his great love he relented. 
He caused all who held them captive to show them mercy. And then he says in verse 47, Save us, O Lord. Gather us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. And what I think the psalmist is getting at here is that not just in the salvation that God gives in ordinary situations, but behind that, why were those enemies ruling over them? Why did they need salvation from physical enemies? Because they were sinning against God. They were turning away from Him. They were rejecting Him and trusting in another. And over and over and over, He offers deliverance. And so over and over and over, they had a reason and we have a reason to sing a new song of deliverance and salvation in praise to God. Praising Him for His salvation. Even in Psalm 51, which is not usually categorized or maybe by anybody as a psalm of praise, but I wanted to point to a couple of verses which I think are key. After David has gone through talking about his sin and talking and asking God to give him a new heart and to restore him, restore to him his joy, the joy of his salvation, he says what he's going to respond, how he's going to respond. He says in verse 13, then I will teach your transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, for I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, Lord, you will not despise. And then he goes on, and he says, May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem, then... You will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous. In burnt offerings, offered whole, then bulls will be offered on your altar. Notice that first he says, you're not going to be pleased with, you weren't pleased with these offerings. I needed a broken heart. I needed to repent. And now that you have forgiven me, now I can offer sacrifices that are pleasing to you. This again is a look forward. Not because of the sacrifices that David made, but because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. We have every reason to praise God because he has provided the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate, the perfect way of repentance and forgiveness and restoration in Jesus Christ. So through Jesus, we are able to offer sacrifices to God which are acceptable and pleasing to him because of the atoning work of Jesus Christ. So let us continually offer sacrifices of praise to God. Let's continually remind each other, tell the world, Talk to God this way in our prayers and our private devotions. Wherever we are, let us continually offer sacrifices of praise, thanksgiving for all of who God is and all of what He has done, especially through Jesus Christ. I took this from 1 Peter uh, 1 and 2. I just wanted to bring a couple of verses together to show us this one more time from Scripture, uh, and then we're going to pray and Praise God together in song. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Peter says, 
praise God because of what he's done, which has eternal significance for you through Jesus Christ. And then in the second chapter, as you come to him outside the camp, this living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Praise, doing good, sharing with others. These are three ways that you can respond rightly to God for what he has done through Jesus Christ. Let's pray and then let's praise him together in song. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your word who became flesh, who dwelt among us. And though we haven't seen his face, we have beheld his glory and we've trusted in him, and we love him even though we don't see him now. And we're following him even though we still can't see him. God, help us to increasingly display your goodness to the world, both in our voices, in our songs, in our commendation of you, in sharing the gospel, in praising and encouraging, uh, sorry, in praising you and encouraging each other uh, to do the same. God, help us to make the gospel um, audible, to everyone that we know. And please help us to make the gospel visible to each other and to the world so that our words uh, will be an even better witness. Father, we ask, oh, we, we thank you for the mercy that you've had um, to us in our lives through Jesus Christ. And we thank you because when we sing here in a moment, for all those of us whose hearts are made right through Jesus Christ, this praise is acceptable and pleasing to you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and sing.